Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Jerry's over there. We all have um, eye boogers. <laughs> Because this is an early morning, unusual early morning edition of Stuff You Should Know. Welcome to Morning Edition. We should just talk like this. We got uh, We're on NPR. We got taken to task in a snide email from a uh, morning talk show, TV show host. Did you see it? Uh, about the Inquisition? Yeah, he's like, way to release the Inquisition on Ash Wednesday. Yeah. It's kind of a slap in the face. So I responded and I said, actually, it came out on Fat Tuesday and by sheer coincidence. And he's like, yeah. thanks for the reply. I responded to him too. Yeah. I was like, man, I wish I was that clever. I said, I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. It was like our, our medical marijuana episode being our 420th. Yeah. Utter, complete yep. coincidence. Guaranteed, everybody. I think over the course of 600 plus shows, you're going to have some weird coincidences like that, you know? Yes. I certainly didn't know it was Ash Wednesday. I didn't either until I went to the mall yesterday evening and a third of the people are, were walking around with charcoal crosses on their forehead. Nice. It's like I had no idea Atlanta had this many Catholics. Yeah. Good going. They're everywhere. <laughs> they sure are. <laughs> well, I mean, they didn't used to be. I, you know, I grew up Baptist here and I didn't know many Catholics growing up. But Well, Atlanta became a transplant town since then. Yeah, exactly. And I'll tell you about another transplant, Chuck. Yes. Possibly life here on Earth from Mars. Oh, yeah? Yes. Is this your intro? Have you got breaking news? No, that was it. Oh. Do you remember we did an episode on um, the origin of life on Earth, remember? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. And one of the possibilities was oh, that yeah. it was from Mars. Yeah, yeah. And one of the um, pieces of evidence of this possibility was the Allen Hills Rock from Antarctica. Right. A Martian meteorite that was discovered in 1984. That was studied and studied, and they thought in 1996, basically, Bill Clinton said, we found evidence of life on Mars. And then they studied it again, and they were like, maybe not. And now they're studying it again. They're saying, yeah, it's possible. It's very possible that this 4.1 billion-year-old rock is showing evidence of fossilized nanobacteria. And this is all still Bill Clinton saying this? (laughs) Yeah, in his underwear at home. He's the authority. (laughs) He's talking to the TV again. Nice. Uh, But yeah, we're going to do How Mars Works. Uh, Tom Hanks, this one's for you. Uh, Big space guy. Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. I didn't know if I was missing something there, like he did some movie that I didn't know about. No, if I said Gary Sinise, this one's for you. That would be a a Mission to Mars reference. I did not see that. Mind-bogglingly odd and Pretty bad. Yeah, I heard. That's why I didn't see it. That and Red Planet. I didn't see either one of those. Red Planet, I don't know about. Yeah. But that kind of brings us to a point that we've long been fascinated with the Red Planet. Going back to, you know, War of the Worlds and early science fiction and Martians. And Mars has just always captivated us because, you know, sometimes you can see it with a telescope. Yeah. And it's not like, uh, what's on the other side of us? Venus? Venus. Yeah, we don't know much about Venus. Shrouded in mystery. There are no uh, Venusians that we're afraid will come down here and attack us. <laughs> I think it's Venusians. Venusians. Which is different from Venetians. Yes. Which are people from Venice. Right. Which, strangely enough, um, kind of coincides with the guy named Giovanni Schiaparelli. He might not have been from Venice, but that man was definitely from Italy. You think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was a, can you say his name for everybody, Chuck? 
Who, Giovanni Schiaparelli? That was good. <laughs> that guy? Man, have you been practicing at home? No, I've just been eating a lot of pasta. That's good stuff, man. So, um, Schiaparelli, in 1877, decided to draw a map of Mars. And his conception of Mars, what became the popular conception, if it wasn't already, yeah. um, was that Mars was a, um, a lush planet with civilizations. Yeah. And he named the regions of Mars accordingly, like Elysium. Yeah. Uh, which, which, um, culture believed that that was heaven? I want to know. I can't remember. Man. I haven't heard that. We, you know, we've discussed it before. Well, Elysium. I haven't retained that. Um, another part was called Utopia, Arcadia, basically yeah. all these different names for paradise reflected the idea that Mars was in very similar to Earth, most likely inhabited by intelligent beings. And um, as proof, Schiaparelli uh, drew canals that he noticed on the on Mars, yeah, which suggested that this advanced civilization had dug canals to um, route water from the polar ice caps, which are visible here on Earth, yeah, to the central locations where their civilizations were. Yeah, get water to the Martians. Yeah, and this established like what Earthlings thought of Mars for Earthlings. 100 <laughs> years almost. Yeah, uh, about 40 years after that, a U.S. astronomer named Percival Lowell um, wrote a book also about Mars where he actually talked about civilizations. And uh, the problem was he, he, he was, wasn't really based on anything. It might as well have been science fiction. Right, and yet they named the Lowell Observatory after him. Oh, really? I believe so. He was an astronomer, so it's not like he was, he wasn't just making stuff up, but he didn't have like hard evidence. He made a lot of stuff up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he, well, he interpreted it without any evidence, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then wrote a book, and that became the impetus for Mars-based science fiction. Yeah, it really captured folks, and that's when, uh, like I talked about, War of the Worlds and, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs, The Princess of Mars, and it's just always been just out there staring down at us. Yeah. Speaking of War of the Worlds, it even says it in this article. It did not cause a national panic in 1938. That's a myth. Did you know that? Um, I don't know. I'm not sure I knew the full story. Supposedly, when H, when, um, uh, who directed Citizen Kane? Orson Welles. When Orson Welles carried out this radio. Oh, yeah, play, yeah. It scared it, everyone, right? It caused a panic. People not were wild in the streets, committing suicide, uh -huh. like uh, doing all sorts of stuff. No, it isn't true. Um, Apparently, the newspapers got wind of this rumor and played it up. And um, the reason they played it up was to prove that radio couldn't be trusted as a source of news because it was a big competitor to newspapers at the time. Have you done a, a Don't Be Dumb on that? No, maybe I will. Can I plug that? Go ahead. Josh has a web series called Don't Be Dumb that is very funny and uh, strange. And you learn stuff. It's like the perfect one, two, three punch. Weird, funny, and you walk away with some knowledge. Thanks, man. And everyone likes it, that watches it, so we just need more people to watch it. Give me the weird sausage <laughs> finger Steve McQueen clap. I think that's, that is weird. Man. Oh, the, the director? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, he was clapping weird, wasn't he? At the Oscars? Uh-huh. Apparently, he and um, the screenwriter who won an Oscar for that movie? Yeah. Uh, for 12 Years a Slave, do not like each other. They oh, had a dispute really? over the writing credit. Oh, yeah. 
the writer walked right past him, and Steve McQueen didn't even turn to look at him as he was walking up to get his Oscar. I did kind of notice that. Yeah. Well, if you read D-listed, he rooted it out and found out that it was over a writing credit. Is that why he was clapping weirdly? Yeah. <laughs> he was showing his disdain with sausage fingers. So weird. All right. So um, this weird early fascination with Mars, like I said, we didn't have a lot of information other than just sort of looking at it from Earth. Right. Um and it wasn't until uh, the 60s and 70s that we started, in many countries, started exploring Mars. But we started sending um, orbiters to take a closer peek. And then eventually orbiters led to landers and rovers. Yep. And it's been like kind of a prime directive of NASA for a while. Yeah. We're one of them. And, and it was um, when they scrapped the space shuttle um, program. I remember NASA was saying, like, don't worry, everybody, we're going to go to Mars. We're going to focus on Mars. That's why we're not doing the shuttle anymore. Right. Um, and apparently they are. There was just as recently as yesterday, NASA testified about its budget. And um, th- and they were saying, well, we've got a really great thing planned. We're going to get this asteroid. We're going to maneuver it with a robot into lunar orbit so we can go visit it later. And the senators at this hearing basically said boring really <laughs> yeah they're like what's this backup mars mission listed and they're like oh well we're talking about doing a manned flyby of venus and mars in 2021 the centers are like mars 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 wow mars. so it looks like nasa's going to be forced to go to mars whether they like it or not so it's still captivating if it's captivating the dum-dums in congress well they even said like the asteroid mission that's not going to spur the public the public imagination, like going past, sending a person past Mars, that's what you want to do, NASA. Huh. And NASA's like, all right, but there's gonna, we could probably mine the asteroid. Right. <laughs> and the senators all went, Mars, Mars, right. Mars, and they all went to a bar afterwards. Yeah. They went, okay, Jim, you want to go to Mars? And he was like, all right. Yeah. I guess so. Um, all right. So where should we start here? Um, well, let's start with the origin of Mars. It seems pretty appropriate. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. I love how scientists piece together ancient history of yeah. the cosmos, you know. Yeah, without having ever sent a geologist there. It's all I mean, even before uh, the rovers, it was basically all just based on photographs yeah. and, and and surmising from those. Now we've got the Curiosity rover, the third rover up there. It's still up there, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Or oh, it doesn't come home, does it? No, it won't. It'll but it's just still operational. Yeah. Yeah. Um and they were thinking I think it was a two-year mission, but it could go longer than that. I think it's already gone a little longer than that because I think it went. Has up it in, really already? I think it went up in late 2011. Oh wow! So I think it's been there a little over two years. Well, good going, Curiosity. I might be wrong. Um, all right, so there's basically five things that uh, they surmise happened to form Mars, which we'll we'll list and then get into in more detail. Um, it initially formed from uh, clumping together of little tiny objects until it made a big round planet. It was an accretion disk. Yeah. Like, just like Earth. Just like Earth. Uh, then there was a lot of uh, meteor bombardment all over the, the solar system. Yep. And Mars was, of course, affected. Just like Earth. Just like Earth and the moon. Uh, the mantle was very hot and pushed through the crust, lifting up portions of it. Just like Earth. And then there were a couple of, uh, they don't know how many, but at least a couple of periods of lots of volcanoes going on. Say it. Just like her. <laughs> Lava flows. And then finally, the, the planet cooled down and the atmosphere thinned out to leave us with Mars. Unlike Earth. Right. Uh, and it, Mars's formation was 
virtually identical to the process that formed Earth. It's about half the size, but they're at, in the beginning, as far as makeup and the processes that they were undergoing, yeah. they were virtually identical. Yeah, and being half the size is pretty key to uh, why it's not like Earth Yeah, more. Yep. Um, one of the reasons. So I guess we should get into some more detail about this, huh? I think we should. The accretion that you talked about, these small objects about uh, took about 100,000 years and as the gravitational field got stronger, it kept pulling in more of this stuff, and it would crash into the planet mm-hmm. and uh, and get hot, basically, and just sort of meld together. Yeah, it was like, oh, Mars. <laughs> and that was interesting. I looked up why planets are round, and the reason why is because the gravitational field. And the spin. Uh, it's sucking everything into the dense core. Yeah, well, it's the core, the gravitational field behaves like it's coming from the center mm-hmm. and everything else thinks it's coming from the center including me so the only way to get everything as close to the center as possible is to make a sphere like obviously if you had a square there would be a corner that's not as close as other parts that'd be a creepy planet like <laughs> yeah. a cube yeah but i wondered you know or why doesn't it look like an asteroid let's say mm. uh but asteroids don't have the kind of gravitational force to draw everything in like that to form that sphere right it's called isotatic adjustment. Nice. Yeah. I just thought, wait a minute. All these things are perfectly round. <laughs> or not perfectly round. But I want more pyramid-shaped planets. That'd be kind of cool. Um, all right. So that was the accretion. And now you have gas being released uh, from cooling after the core and mantle and crust have formed in this hot ball. Right. And uh, as, the, um, as the gases are being released in the hot ball... Um, they are uh, forming this atmosphere. They're supporting an atmosphere. They're floating out and um, kind of hanging around. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And um, so you've got an atmosphere in place. Yep. You have a molten core. You have a softer mantle and then a crust that formed. Like Earth. Yeah. And um, as that, that uh, softer mantle and the molten core press up, you have volcanic activity. Yeah. Which releases even more heat and gas, which makes the atmosphere even thicker. And at this point, they think that there is a period of um, water presence on Mars where it was raining. So then after you've got a primitive atmosphere. All right. And then, uh, as it says in the article by uh, Craig, he's a great writer for us. Yeah. PhD. That's right. Uh, he said Mars, Mars couldn't catch a break. Which was pretty accurate. And it was uh, pounded by meteors in the solar system, forming uh, craters and basins and all sorts of interesting landforms. And, you know, the same thing happened here, but we had like water and uh, things like that to cause erosion and fill it, fill it in. Uh, on the moon, there isn't anything like that. So you still see those craters. Right. And uh, but the same thing happened on Mars. Yeah, and actually there was water on Mars. Um, that bombardment and the that caused the magma to come up out of the core of of Mars. Yeah, creating volcanic activity and shifts in the mantle and the crust um, all released hot gas into the Martian atmosphere, which thickened it and increased its temperature, which led to rain. Yes, rain, flooding, erosion. So there was like a, a period, at least for a little while, of um, the presence of water on Mars. There still is, dude. The pl- the presence of unfrozen flowing water. Uh, yeah, there's not flowing water, right? But 
as of September of last year, they found water in the dirt. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Two pints per cubic foot. Yeah, but th- but that's a spoiler. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Actually, it can't be a spoiler if it happened in the past. Right. Right. Yeah, but if no one. If you haven't heard of it yet. Yeah. All right. Sorry, everyone. Uh, so then Craig likens to Mars at this point as a soft-boiled egg. And as the eggshell is cooling, uh, the the yolk is going to start busting through the mantle. And that's, like on Earth, is what is going to form things like volcanoes. Mm-hmm. And again, those volcanoes and that activity led to that atmosphere and the periods of rain and flooding and erosion. Yeah, Olympus Mons. Yeah, that's a good Pixie song. Is that a Pixie song? Bird Dream of the Olympus Mons. Nice. Yeah. I don't think I knew that one. What was that on? Uh, Tromplemon? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Olympus Mons is the lo- the largest volcano there, and it's like, it makes Mount Everest look like a molehill. As a matter of fact, it's the largest point in the known solar system. The highest point? Yeah. Yeah. The tallest. Um, uh, remember our myth-busting episode? Yeah. Where we showed that Mount Everest wasn't the tallest mountain, but it's Mount Aloha? Yeah, yeah. Um, on Earth, Mount Aloha is... Um, Something like... I think it's six miles from the ocean floor? Uh, yes. To it rises six... Nice, Chuck. And um, it's 140 miles wide at its base. Yeah. That's a big mountain here yeah. on Earth. On Mars, which is, again, half the size of Earth yeah. in diameter, uh, Olympus Mons is 16 miles tall. Wow. And, and that's three- not from an ocean floor either. No. You know? Because there is no ocean on Mars. Exactly. But if you want to see something cool, type in uh, uh, Mars. What would Mars look like with ocean? And people have done like um, oh, simulations really? of it. It looks really neat. Like vacation worthy? Uh, like you would want to go there to vacate? That means like a sunny beach with uh, no, an ocean? No, it looks like Earth but with weird continents. Okay. Um, and then it's 370 miles across Olympus Mons. Is. That's large. It's big. And they have like... Pictures, if you Google it, uh, that compare it to Everest, and uh, it just dwarfs it. That's right. And you can see pictures of it, too. You know, They snap photos of it. It's pretty impressive. Right. It's a big, large volcano. <laughs> Which eventually went dormant. All the volcanoes on Mars went dormant. That's a, right. A, somewhere possibly about three billion years ago. And um, as the volcanoes went dormant, the um, the... The heat was released, basically. Yeah. Mars had no more heat to give from its core, um, which meant the atmosphere wasn't being fed any longer. So it thinned, which led to a drop in temperatures. Yeah. And how we mentioned earlier how the, the fact that it was smaller than Earth is one reason why it's not more like Earth. That's the reason it cooled so fast. Yeah. Like Earth wouldn't have cooled nearly as fast. No. huh? And um, it also kept a magnetic field going thanks to its molten core. Mars did not any longer. So you got a thin atmosphere, yeah. cold temperatures. Um, the atmosphere that was there started freezing and falling to Mars and was stored as ice. Any water that was already on the planet's surface turned into permafrost. Yeah. And um, Mars became, it underwent what's called the Great Desiccation Event. Oh, yeah. Where it became a barren, deserted desert planet. Yeah. I and mean, before that, these were, this kind of happened in cycles for a while, like the volcanic action. Mm-hmm. And then the gas is being released and like major flooding from water. Right. Until, like you said, eventually it's the cold, not hot, right, but cold, dusty place that we love today. Yeah. And what's um, 
interesting is that <clears throat> Earth and Mars were so similar as they formed, and about at the same time, about three billion years ago, Mars underwent the great desiccation event, and Earth underwent the great oxygenation event, which gave rise to all life here on Earth. The the yeah. appearance of algae, which created a breathable atmosphere, almost at about the same time. So they totally diverged yeah. on two different paths at around the same time. I wonder if the main reason was because of its size. Yeah, the cooling. Like all, it could it have been had, another Earth. Yes. It's interesting. Had it been the exact same size, who knows? Yeah. Maybe we'd be, like, going there and back right now. Right, on vacation. Yeah. Like Arnold or Schwarzenegger. Warren. Yeah. That was a good one. Or Colin Farrell. Yeah. Did you see the remake? No. Yeah. Although I heard the RoboCop remake was, like, surprisingly good. I, I haven't seen it. I was not expecting that. I haven't seen it either. Yeah. That's one. I'll definitely wait for TV for that one. Mm. You know? Uh, Man, you really don't care about seeing that one. No. Nah. Not even DVD. Like, TV. Well, I don't watch DVDs. Okay. I'm, I'm streaming like the rest of the modern world. <laughs> not even a laser disc? <laughs> uh, should we talk about what it's like there? Yeah. On the surface? Yes, the surface of Mars. Um, scientists have divided it into three major parts, the southern highlands, uh, the northern plains, and the polar regions, which we already said you can actually see from Earth. Yeah, polar ice caps. Yeah, just like Earth. But the ice caps are made of carbon dioxide, so it's dry ice ice caps, and right. then underneath there is water ice. Yeah. So the southern highlands are vast. I love our morning shows. It's always a little more like... Laid back, I feel like. Yeah, like I'm sleepy. Yeah. You're not riddled with anxieties yet? No. That comes on about noon? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't had enough coffee yet. Uh, so you've got your southern highlands, and like I said, they are extensive and vast, and uh, it is elevated. It's the, the highest part of Mars and heavily cratered. And again, the highest part of the solar system. Right. Because that's where Olympus Mons is. That's right, in the southern region, the southern highlands. Uh, and they, scientists think it's ancient, um, these highlands because of the craters, because the cratering happened close to four billion years ago. And that was just meteors kind of just pounding the solar system yeah. all over the place. Yep. So the southern highlands are high. Yeah. And then there's a very, um, uh, pronounced drop of several kilometers down to the, um, northern plains. Yeah. Which are low-lying regions. They're a lot like the seas on the moon. Um, but they do feature raised areas, plateaus, a couple of them. Yeah, the cinder cones? Yeah, well, the cinder cones are on the plateaus, I think. Basically, the mantle bulged up through the crust. It's uh-huh. thinner in the northern region, and the mantle just pushed up and formed like continent-sized plateaus um, that are called crustal upwarps. That's a great word. Yeah. I kept thinking I was reading it wrong. Uh, nope, crustal upwarps. Yep. Uh, and the, these crustal upwarps, there's two of them. One's smaller, it's Elysium, remember, Paradise. That's right. And the other one is called Tharsis. Tharsis, uh, in the, the northern hemisphere is divided into eastern and western hemispheres. Yeah. Tharsis is in the, uh, west, and Elysium is in the east. Yeah, celestial names are so cool. They really are. You know? What do we have on Earth? New Jersey. <laughs> Not Tharsis. No. Or Elysium. We should start a campaign to rename New Jersey Tharsis. <laughs> um, and then, like, the main city could be Tharsis City, which sounds super futuristic. <laughs> right, yeah. When, in fact, it's Newark. Yeah. <laughs> Every citizen is issued a sparkly silver jumpsuit. <laughs> 
Oh, uh, so you've called out Olympus Mons as the highest point. That is where in the... It's in the Tharsis region. Okay. Which this article is confusing because it mentions the Tharsis region region in the southern um, hemisphere and in the northern hemisphere. Uh, And I looked all over the place to find definitively where it is. And I think the discrepancy comes from the fact that it's equatorial. Oh, okay. It's pretty close to the equator. Olympus Mons definitely is. All right. Well, that explains it. Maybe it's both, right? But it's about at that point um, that the uh, the highlands drop off into the northern plains. That's right. And uh, in Tharsis, you have some pretty impressive canyons. Um, a system called the Valles Marineris, mm-hmm. and it makes the Grand Canyon look like a tiny little hole in the ground. It is three hundred and seventy miles wide and twenty six thousand four hundred feet deep. Not to slam the Grand Canyon, but if you've ever been there, imagine something dwarfing that even. Right. And again, Mars is half the size of Earth. Right. And it doesn't even just dwarf the Grand Canyon. It's bigger than the Mariana Trench, which is 1,580 miles long. So it's a good 1,000 miles longer than the Mariana Trench. And the Mariana Trench is 43 miles wide. The uh, Valles Marineris is 370 miles wide. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, so it's a big old trench. Like you can't even comprehend that kind of size when you're standing there. No, I imagine when you're in it, you you can't see the edges or anything like that. So yeah. you're just... Of course, you can't be in it because, you know, people can't go to Mars. But, you know, I know what you mean. We will eventually. You think? Elon Musk predicts he will retire and die and be buried on Mars. That's what he's, he said. It's not a certainty, but it's a possibility. But that's his goal? Yeah. Wow. Well, he's got the dough to make it happen, I guess. And the, the vision. Like you say the same thing, but you've just got the vision. Right. You don't have the billions of dollars. <laughs> and it's not even my vision. I'm just reporting what Elon Musk said, you know? Oh, I, I thought you wanted to do that as well. No, that's Go right. to Mars? You want to get shot out of a cannon. Oh, no. I abandoned that a long time ago. <laughs> you did? Yeah. Um, What's the new plan? Just to be cremated and yeah. distributed with Yumi. Okay. Well, that's nice. Yeah. She's really calmed you down. She's like, first first things first, this cannonball thing. <laughs> right. It's got to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the polar regions you can see from Earth, like we said, and it is surrounded by a bunch of dunes. And they are like, I think you said it was fro- frozen carbon dioxide, right? So it's yeah. not like the ice we have here on Earth. No, it's well, we have it here on Earth, dry ice. Well, yeah, but just it's not our polar ice caps, <laughs> right? And like Earth, uh, depending on the season, the ice caps are going to change shape. Uh, in the summertime, the CO two from the northern uh, caps uh, melt away, and and there's water ice below that, so not dry ice, as they call it in Spanish, agua ice. <laughs> and that's why apparently we sent the Phoenix there. Uh, they were like, send that thing up there and dig down into the frozen dirt and let's see what, what it's made up of. Right. And they found water. They found, uh, two pints. Phoenix didn't find it. Phoenix found, like, found, uh, that the Martian soil is filled with perchlorate, which is a big problem for Mars missions. Yeah, that's like very bad for human beings. It's extremely toxic. It's a thyroid toxin. It has a very quick effect. Um, it has a developmental effect on infants and um, fetuses. So reproducing on Mars would be a big problem. Yeah. And even in adults, it, it has a big effect on your thyroid, which um, affects your hormone production function. Um, 
and it's everywhere. It's in the light Martian dust, and Mars has tons of dust storms that envelop the whole planet, which we'll talk about. Yeah, for like weeks at a time. Yeah, and there, there's perchlorate in those dust storms, so it would get everywhere. Yeah. So they just found out like a couple months ago that this is everywhere, and it's going to be a huge challenge to Mars missions in the future. But they're saying, now that we know about it, we can design around it. Yeah, it just seems so uninhabitable. Like, uh, I, I don't know if in our lifetime we're going to see it, a manned mission. Maybe. We'll definitely see a flyby. Yeah? Yeah. A manned flyby? Yeah. Okay. You and Elon Musk. I, we will, that's not even just me. Reaching for the that's stars. That's me, Elon Musk, and the Senate. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Mars, uh, Mars, <laughs> Mars. They're all so excited. <laughs> so, Chuckers, up next... We're going to talk about the interior of Mars because it's what's on the inside that counts. That's right. But we're going to do that after these messages. Okay. So we're back and we're talking about Mars's interior. And to talk about Mars's interior is really boring unless you compare it to Earth. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is cool. So let's compare it to Earth. Okay. Uh, the Earth's core is, um, has a radius of about 2,200 miles from the center to the surface and is made up of iron in two parts, uh, the solid core and the liquid outer core. Right. And the interplay between those two creates Earth's magnetic field. That's right. Which, which is- allows for the northern lights. Oh, yeah? And compasses. <laughs> what else? Uh, that's about it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mars's core uh, radius is only about 900 um, and between 900 and 1200 miles. And it is probably made up also of iron, but throwing some sulfur, maybe a little oxygen. Mm-hmm. And they believe, uh, I don't, I didn't get this. He said it may be made up, may, may be molten, but it's unlikely. So they still don't know, I guess. No. And they think that the reason they don't think that it's molten though is because Mars has a very weak magnetic field. Um, but maybe not always. Yeah, it probably had a strong magnetic field in the in before the great desiccation event. Right. Um but now it doesn't have one. And they they think that if it is molten it's not there's not a lot to it. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh around the Earth's core is softer mantle, like toothpaste. Mm-hmm. And uh it's way less dense and it is iron and magnesium silicate, uh about eighteen hundred miles thick. And that's when you see a volcano and lava flowing from a volcano. That's where that's coming from. Well, it comes from the magma through there, the liquid, right? Okay. Yeah. Doesn't it? I think so. We did a podcast on volcanoes Yeah, you'd 80 think years we'd, ago. you remember. <laughs> that was a good one, the yeah, volcanoes one. I thought so. I, I was worried about it. And Chuck, the um, mantle pushing up through the through the surface yeah. accounts for those uh, crustal uplifts. Up, upwarps. Upwarps. Yeah. That's right. Um, and here on Earth, we have things like volcanoes, active volcanoes, and earthquakes. And they're largely due to, if not exclusively, due to um, the fact that we have continental plates. Right. Like the crust of Earth, which Mars also has a crust, but Earth's crust is broken up into these plates that drift and move around slowly and rub up against one another. Yeah. Um, and that's where the fault lines exist. And along those fault lines, you have volcanoes and earthquakes. Right. On Mars, that's not the case. It has a crust, but it's not broken into plates. It's solid. Yeah. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. And that's why there's no active volcanoes right now, or one reason. 
Um, and we, while we're talking about Mars, well, we probably should have mentioned it on the surface, but it's a neat little tidbit if you ask me. Do you know why Mars is rust-colored? Uh, no. Because it's coated in rust. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's oxidized iron in the soil, huh. which makes it rusted. It's a rusty old planet. A rusty, dusty, cold, windy, uninhabitable, perhaps, planet. Yeah. And again, the reason why it's probably uninhabitable is it lacks an atmosphere, or it practically lacks an atmosphere. There is a very thin one still. Yeah, I guess we can compare that to Earth, too. Um, Mars's atmosphere is mostly carbon dioxide, 95.3%. On Earth, it's less than 1%. Right. Like you could just stop right there. Yep. Toxic. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, a lot less nitrogen, uh, 2.7% compared to Earth 78. Not much oxygen at all, only 0.13%. That's a big factor. Toxic again. And, um, about one one thousandth as much water vapor is on Earth. Yeah. We need that too. Inhospitable. Which is why they, um, they, there are proposals to, seed Mars to terraform it. Yeah. Basically go in and like artificially stimulate an atmosphere to form so that in 10,000, 50,000, 100,000 years, it could conceivably be habitable. Yeah. And we, we did a show on that too. Yeah. This is all coming together. It's a long-term plan, but. Sure. Which means we'll never do it. Elon Musk will. Maybe. His grandchildren. Uh, so the atmospheric pressure in Mars is interesting too. It's super low. And super cold, and that's why there is no water liquid flowing, because it's either going to freeze or evaporate. They right. can't just exist as water nope. these days. Nope. But like we said, possibly, probably did at one point. Yep. So you've got a thin atmosphere, which means a lot of um, solar radiation is not blocked, is not reflected. Yeah. Um, which means that you have... Very wild swings in daily average temperature on Mars because Mars does have a day. It does rotate. Yeah. And actually it rotates at about the same rate as Earth. The Mars Sol, which is short for solar day, it's just about 43 minutes longer than um, Earth's day. Oh, yeah? Yeah. But because it's further out away from the sun, its yeah. orbit around the sun takes longer. So its year is about twice as long as a year on Earth, 686.98 Earth days, which means the seasons last longer. Right. Which makes them more extreme, as we'll see. Yeah, and you talked about the temperature fluctuation. It's uh, almost 100 degrees Fahrenheit mm -hmm. on a daily basis. The difference in temperature. <laughs> That's just nutty. That's enormous. Again, not very friendly for us humans. No, well, we'll figure it out. You have to pack a big suitcase, you know. You have to pack your your thong as well as your Arctic uh, Explorer coat. Well, you could just wear a thong under your <laughs> Arctic Explorer coat. Well, of course. Wear layers. There is. It's the key to Mars. <laughs> wear layers. Pack big, wear layers. Uh, but like you said, there are seasons. In the spring and early summer, the sun uh, heats up the atmosphere and the dust lifts up and, and makes it even hotter once that dust is in the atmosphere. Yeah. And it basically is what causes those big dust storms we were talking about. Yeah. Um, the dust the dust particles get suspended and invite more heat, which suspends more particles, and um, it creates wind. 
They're, like 120 mile an hour winds. Yeah. Well, just like here on Earth, it creates convection cells, which creates wind. And as those wind speeds whip up, because the atmosphere is thinner, you have to have higher speeds because the wind has less to push against. Oh, uh, that makes dense sense. Dense air to push against. Yeah. So it takes higher speed winds. But once they do hit something like 120 miles an hour, the entire planet can become enveloped in a dust storm yeah. that can last months. That's crazy. And again, it's not just dust. It's dust with one of the more toxic compounds known to humanity Yeah, in every bit of it. Yeah, and it's not going to blow off a Mars rover. These things, you know, weigh like in the tons. Yeah, I so think Curiosity is one ton. One ton. And actually, what's strange is the dust storms, it says, are um, beneficial because it'll blow the any um, Martian dirt caked on the solar panels. Yeah, that makes sense too. Or maybe it might reveal something. Yeah, that wasn't there before, like uh, a pyramid. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. Uh, Chuck, I want to talk about water on Mars, but first, let's um, do a message break. And we're back. Uh, so I guess let's get to the water part. Um, that was NASA's directive follow the water for many years and still is really because they think therein holds the key to the big question is there possibilities of having life on mars is there life was there life on mars yeah and we're not talking about martians unfortunately we're talking about maybe bacteria which could be martians i mean if it lives on mars it's martian i guess that's a good point everybody just basically needs to lower the bar for their expectations of what a martian is yeah, right. You know what I mean? Instead of little green men. Right. Bacteria. And um, when this article was written, it was pre-Curiosity. But just a couple months ago, Curiosity confirmed uh, that there is water present in the soil. Yeah, and they think it's everywhere. Yeah. It's basically the soil has a very big um, leaching property Yeah, where it absorbs water from the atmosphere and locks it in there so that if... If we went up there, we could extract um, about, like I said, two pints of water from every cubic foot of soil that's mined. That's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Again, though, we have that perchlorate problem. It's everywhere. It would get in the water. And one of the ways that it transfers to humans and becomes toxic is through drinking water. So we'd have to deal with that. But ironically, the thing about perchlorate being there, yeah, it's also used in solid rocket fuel here on Earth. Oh, really? So we would need it to get to Mars, but once we got to Mars, we wouldn't want to have it. Interesting. Mm -hmm. That is very ironic. Thanks. So you were talking, Chuck, about how water could conceivably lead to life on Mars. Yes. we It's vital to life. It's one of the um, vital parts of life. Yeah. I can't remember the term <laughs> for them. Not a building block. One of the essential somethings for life. Component? Yes. Yeah? Yeah, I think okay. that is it. Essential right. component for life. We worked that out together. This has been Morning Edition. And now, now, now they found water on Mars and confirmed that it is there. And they knew all along that there was water ice on Mars. Um, it makes that Martian rock from four billion years ago seem all the more likely that it is displaying evidence of fossilized microbes. Yeah, and they used to think that there was methane uh, in the atmosphere, trace amounts, but I think that has been debunked now with... Oh, really? Upon further research, yeah. Yeah, because, again, when this article was written, it sounds like they thought it was still, like they still had detected methane, and they didn't know whether it was from 
of biological or chemical origin? Yeah, more recent studies. Um, as of October 2012, um, they analyzed the atmosphere uh, for methane six times and basically found no more than 1.3 parts per billion. Yeah, that's not good for evidence of life. Yeah, and that's about one-sixth as much as they uh, had previously estimated. And they thought, well, maybe it went somewhere, you know, and and, and they... Uh, NASA said no. It it wouldn't. Um, it would have been super exciting, but it's methane doesn't uh, distribute and leave like that that quickly. All right. Like it would still be around. Yeah. So unfortunately, no methane. Speaking of methane um, as evidence of life, you remember uh, our termite episode? Somebody wrote in to say, "Did you know termites are like a huge contributor of methane to on oh, yeah? Earth? They're the second largest contributor of methane after Cows? livestock." Huh. Yeah. Wow. Even beating out humans. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, because we shoot a lot of ducks, we humans. <laughs> Some of us but more than others. Termites <laughs> have us beat. They're flatulent insects. Uh, so bacteria, um, Martian soil has been known to be like formerly chemically active, but maybe not biologically. Mm-hmm. But it is possible maybe um, because they have a good example in Greenland. Um they found bacteria that was dormant for 120,000 years, frozen in the ice. Yeah. And when they unfroze it, it started multiplying again. In the beginning of the apocalypse. Yeah, it's kind of creepy. Yeah. But They're like, uh, it's not stopping. Possibly in the polar ice caps on Mars, maybe that's going on too. Yeah. We just don't know yet. Yeah, they think that um, it is very possible that you could take some of the, the extremophile bacteria, ones that live like in... Um, volcanic vents under sea and things like that. Yeah. And transplant them to Mars and some of them would survive, especially mineral thriving, um, bacteria, ones that like eat minerals. Right. You could put them on Mars and they would, they would do okay, possibly. Well, spaceships, like, if we could possibly bring our own bacteria there by accident as well. Mm-hmm. You know, just from like, I think the International Space Station had E. coli, didn't it? Yeah, and possibly uh, Legionella, really? Legionnaire's disease on the ISI. Wow. Yeah, or the ISS. That sounds like a be- uh, like a movie waiting to happen. Sure. Or I guess they sort of did that with Outland. Oh, was there a was it a disease? Oh uh, no, it wasn't a disease. It was just a cop chasing a bad guy. Yeah. yeah I have to see that again. Close. I wonder if it holds up. I doubt it. Yeah. If it held up, it'd be Alien. Like it would still be. In the rotation, but Outland doesn't play on cable very often, you know? No, it really doesn't. That is pretty good evidence, too. I remember the Outland uh, Mad Magazine um, spoof. (laughs) I didn't have that one. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, So, Chuck, you remember we were talking about way back how the um, Viking and um, Mariner and Mars orbiters? Yeah provided this evidence that Mars was just a dead, barren planet and really undermined the idea that there was possibly life there and that it was lush. Yeah. Well, it also provided some conspiracy theorists pretty solid evidence that there was or is some sort of civilization on Mars. Oh, yeah? Because, yeah, Viking 1 in 1976 produced a photo that looked a whole lot like a pharaonic-type Face, like oh, a yeah, statue. Yeah. I've the, seen that. The face on Mars. Uh-huh. Pretty clearly a face if yeah. you look at it. Uh, it was two miles from head to toe, from tip to, to bottom. So it wasn't like Jesus on a piece of toast. No, I mean it looked like it looked like a a 
artificially constructed monument, a face of a monument, maybe one that had toppled and was now just poking out from the Martian soil. Wow. Um, so they looked uh, closer in 1998, but there was a lot of cloud cover, so they, they got kind of a garbled look. Right. And they looked again more recently, maybe 2008 or 2011, and it's very clearly just a mesa. Well, that's disappointing. It is. Especially like when you look at that original. Oh wow! Yeah, when at you, it now. Yeah, when you look at the Viking One photo. Yeah, it looks like a toppled statue head. It, yeah, it does. It actually factored into that terrible movie, um, Mission to Mars. Oh uh, really? Yeah. Wow. Which I saw with Hippie Rob, by the way. Oh really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Was that his, the last time you saw him? It was among that. He just walked into the woods after that, never to be seen <laughs> yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that that was Brian De Palma, wasn't it? I think it might have been. So disappointing. I mean, it had an all-star cast. Gary Sinise, Don Cheadle. Yeah. Uh, I think Bill Paxton, maybe? Or Pullman. <laughs> no, I don't think it was Pullman. Yeah. But I might be confusing Bill Paxton from Apollo 13. Anyway, it, it didn't pan out very well. Yeah. But you got anything else? Yeah. Um, I don't know why this article doesn't mention it, but Mars has two moons, Phobos and Deimos. Oh, yeah. They didn't get into that at all. No. Um, and... Uh, Mars popped up and pops up in pop culture a lot. There's um, the Mars Volta. The band? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, David Bowie had a song called Life on Mars. One of the great songs. Uh, the Misfits had the greatest Mars song, Teenagers from Mars. That's a great song. Yeah. Oh, what's his name? Jared Leto, right? 30, 30 seconds. seconds to Mars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're going on tour right after his Oscar win. I had never heard any of his music until the other day. I was like, what are they like? And Emily tried to describe it, and then she just played a song. Yeah. It's not my bag. No, mine either. But good for him. Oh, yeah. I think they're like huge internationally. Yeah. He's got gout. Did you know that? I did not know that. He needs to lay off the pate. No, I think he, um, I think it was, had to do with his weight gain and loss for the John, uh, Lennon, um, the Mark David Chapman movie he did. Oh, really? Yeah, he got all fat to play Mark David Chapman, then like got all skinny again, I think got gout because of it. And then got even skinnier to play Rayon in Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah. Dude, have you seen it? Yes. How thin can two people get? <laughs> They're pretty thin. Yeah. Like the two of them together make me. And there's got to be <laughs> like that one. <laughs> there's got to be a safe way to lose and regain weight. Yeah. But I'll bet there's not very many safe ways to gain Wait to make yourself look pudgy. No, I mean, and then to lose it again. I'll bet when it's not. been done, like from De Niro to Fat Mac on Always Sunny. I think they say they just eat like lots of garbage, yeah, and just pile it on. Yeah, that's not healthy at all. No, but you know that's one of my pet peeves when you take a fit person and like they gain thirty pounds for a movie, and it it's like you don't look like a fatter person, and you look like a fit person who like has a distended belly right you know yeah it takes years to get this look <laughs> you know <laughs> you gotta work at it to sculpt this yeah um okay you got anything else i got nothing else i think this is better than the sun oh yeah as yeah. far as our our celestial episodes go far less physics that we had to deal with we haven't done the moon straight I up have we i think we have have we jerry have we done the moon I think we did because we talked about its origin, whether it was calved, whether it was a separate accretion. I'm pretty sure we've done the moon. All right. We'll look it up. This is getting bad. We we need to get a list together. Yeah, we do. So we quit boring everyone with this. 
Yeah. You'd think we'd edit it out, but we just don't. Yeah. Well, uh, if you want to learn more about Mars, you can type that word into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And uh, since I said search bar, it's time for listener mail. Uh, Josh, I'm going to call this um, your theory on eating what you crave. Did you see this email? No. Um, just listen to the Salt Podcast, dudes, and Josh uh, postured that you could get along just fine eating only what you crave. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how serious he was, though. That was fairly serious. Fairly. Okay. Uh, I'll agree that about... <laughs> it depends on whether I'm right. <laughs> I'll agree that 150 years ago, this may have been pretty viable, but these days, it's a different story. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of evidence that points to food manufacturers actually designing junk foods that make you crave more of them, uh, mainly sugar and fat-heavy foods. Uh, there's one great book in particular called Good Calories, Bad Calories by Gary Taubes. It basically tells the story of how a lot of what the FDA and USDA recommends is wrong and how it got that way. For instance, the guy who conducted the seven-country study, which is what caused the government to say fat will kill you, yeah. simply threw out data that contradicted the result he was looking for. Uh, throw in the fact that corn is subsidized and super cheap, and we have the recipe for an obese, misinformed population that's addicted to sugar and has been fed terribly wrong information about health for a long time. Yeah, um, I've learned recently, like, you're supposed to have fats, and yeah. there are good fats and there are bad fats, oh, yeah. but, like, low fat is a not a good way to go. Yeah, it's And it, it has sad. been kind of foisted on us. Yeah. Foisted? Hmm? Jerry, Jerry likes it when I use that word. <laughs> Uh, and that is from Steve Baum, the Baumer, in what he calls good old New Jersey, or as we call, Tharsis. <laughs> Tharsis! <laughs> is he from Tharsis City? That is Steve Baum. I don't know if he's from Tharsis City or not, but he's from somewhere in Tharsis. There is a um, really good uh, article about um, how food scientists engineer foods to yeah. make us crave them. Is on the New York Times. It was a couple of years ago by a guy named Michael Moss. Yeah, and in your defense, I don't think you were. I think you meant it more as, along the lines of craving uh, real foods and not necessarily I'm um, craving Ben and Jerry's or pretzels. Right. No, I meant like like craving a steak or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Not ignoring that and going with you know a head of lettuce. Right. I hear you. Um, I can't find the name of that article, but it's a Michael Moss article, and it's from the New York Times. And, dude, it is good. It's one of those really extensive long-form ones that, like, should be long-form because there's just so much great information in it. Eye-opening. Yep. So look it up, everybody. It will open your eyes. Uh, If you want to get in touch with Chuck and me, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can send us an email to StuffPodcast at Discovery.com. Check out our YouTube channel, Josh and Chuck. It's pretty fun. And also, be sure to hang out on our website, stuffyoushouldknow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. 